0: This story is about working hard even when it seems silly. It's not boring. And for the people trying to make crazy things happen. It's that shot of optimism, yeah, yeah. It's not boring. Not boring is for the optimists. Take a little shot of optimism. Take a little shot of optimism. Let's just zoom out and take a little shot of optimism. Happy Thursday and welcome to Not Boring Founders. I'm your host, Packy McCormick, and Not Boring Founders is a podcast where we talk to the people who are building the future. Today, we have one of those people and one of my favorite projects in the portfolio, Andy Chatham, the co-founder of Demo. Demo is a connected vehicle platform that's built on Web3 Rails, but as we go throughout this conversation, you'll see that we don't even talk about crypto or Web3 for the first little while as we're talking about what Demo does. In fact, when Andy started the company, the idea wasn't to build a crypto product. It's only when they realized that it was a great way to incentivize people to install devices in their cars that they added crypto to the mix. But really, what Demo wants to do is build a platform on top of which a number of applications, including Mo itself and the applications that it develops or works with people to develop, to make your experience of driving your car better. So I have the Demo app installed. I have it open in front of me right now. And without being near my car, I can see how much gas I have in the tank, the range I have left, my tire pressure, the number of miles I've driven since I've been connected, my battery voltage, and even the marketplace value of the car is one example of the applications that might be built on top of this. There's actually a button right here for an instant offer with Carvana that I can just hit to sell the car. Now it's a lease, I can't actually go and sell the car, but if I own the car, I could see if my driving is moving the value of it up or moving the value of it down or if the market's moving up or down and hit sell right there. It's just one of the many apps that will be built on top of demo over the long term. I've said before, and I'll say it again, we talked about this with open forest protocol. I really think that the next wave of crypto applications that take off are gonna have to be ones that connect crypto and the benefits that it offers to the real world and to apps that have value on their own. And I think the demo is a really, really great example of that trend. The way that it works right now is that either you put your insurance company's device in your car and they get the data and they use that to adjust your rates, but it's not an open marketplace, you can't go bid, it's just you have State Farm, you put the State Farm device in and and they use it, or the car manufacturer, the OEM, gets all of the data. And again you can't benefit from that data. With Demo, the data is yours. It lives in your wallet. You can authenticate and sign into other apps and provide your information there. So maybe somebody builds an insurance app and different insurance providers can bid on your policy based on your driving. Or Andy gets into a bunch of kind of futuristic, really interesting use cases as all of this interacts with AV whenever that happens. This is a masterclass on understanding your industry, understanding what customers want today and what they might want in the future, and only adding crypto in where and if it makes sense. So I think you're really gonna enjoy this conversation. Before we get to the conversation with Andy, a quick word from our sponsor, Causal. Many of us rely on Excel and we couldn't imagine a world without it. I've written about it before, Excel will never die. Excel lets us quickly crunch numbers, build financial forecasts, and model out scenarios to make better decisions but modeling in Excel and Google Sheets comes with its challenges. Manual data dumps, refs, untraceable errors, and a lack of data protection create a constant stream of manual work, stress, and a lack of confidence in the work that you just did. That's where causal comes in. Causal is a better way for working with numbers. It's like Excel minus the arcane formulas. There's no more sheet, one, exclamation point, dollar sign, E, dollar sign four, or V lookups. Plus, effortless modeling, live data integrations with accounting systems, CRMs, and more, and beautiful interactive dashboards. Given current market conditions, every startup needs a solid financial model to steer the ship. So I've worked with the causal team to create the startup suite, a set of four template models for early stage companies. It includes your revenue model, hiring plan, P&L, and runway projection, the basics for any startup to keep an eye on the finances and plan for the future. If you're a startup founder, early stage employee, or just a lover of all things data, You'll love Causal. We use it here at Not Boring and we love it. Use the startup suite as a starting point or sign up for the product for free. The links are in the show notes below. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Andy Chatham of Demo. Andy, welcome to Not Boring Founders. Thanks for having me. So I think the best place to start here is just asking you to describe what Demo is and what you're building.
1: Sure. DEMO is an open connected vehicle platform. So on one side, we make it easy for people to connect their cars to the internet or collect data from them if they're already connected. And then on the other side, we help them use that data, turn it into information that they can act on directly or help them use apps and services. Today, that means things like usage-based insurance, smarter maintenance programs for your vehicle, getting a better sense of the valuation of your car. And then in the future we have a bunch of other applications that we're building towards, um, mostly for the electric and autonomous vehicle space and uh, have a broader vision around helping people trust connected devices more and, and make them more useful. Um, and DEMO is an acronym. It stands for Digital Infrastructure for Moving Objects. So today we're very focused on cars. Those are the biggest class of IoT device by in order of magnitude, but in the future, we aim to connect pretty much anything that that moves around or, or helps things move around.
0: When you say that you're building towards these applications in the future, explain kind of where DEMO sits, in the whole thing. Is this going to be you building all of the applications? Are developers going to be building applications on top? Like, what's the thing that you need to get really, really good at?
1: It's it's probably helpful to talk about who is building DEMO and, and what that looks like. And, and that'll provide some context on, on what we aim to do. And... So I started a company called Digital Infrastructure Inc with three convinced three separate people that kind of joined me as, as co-founders. Um, one of them, Yev, our CTO, has spent 10 years connecting cars to the Internet. My background is in operating autonomous vehicle services and working in the connected mobility space. Um, and we both felt a big problem around how once you... Um, we're dealing with a connected car, and and specifically one that was driving itself around on the on the road, or um, you know har- harvesting data about how somebody's using that vehicle. Um, the issue of trust becomes very important, and and so one of the core problems that we're setting out to solve is allowing owners of the vehicles, whether they're consumers like you and I, or, or fleet operators like a public transit agency or a taxi company, um, to collect data from from vehicles and store their own copy. Um, and then on the other side, we make it really easy for app developers to access that data. And and today, um, that's something that doesn't really exist in the marketplace. Uh, Most of the OEMs out there like Ford, GM, and Tesla are connecting almost all of the cars that they build to the internet, but that data is not very accessible. Um, And we're starting to see a lot of the problems associated with needing to access that information, whether you're writing an insurance policy, or in a lot of cases, you know, we're having Um, crashes in the news around Tesla full self driving or or some of these other automated driving systems. And it's becoming obvious that access to that data and, um, you know, the ability to collect it is is immensely valuable. Um, So we're kind of going through this, like, you know, to use your term, world building exercise, where we've created um, a simple way for people to create uh, a digital asset and a digital representation of any vehicle that's out there. Um, We leverage a lot of the existing identity primitives, like the VIN number and the registration and the title of the vehicle, um, and then we attach data to it and, and kind of build up an identity of the car. and um that that's the starting point that we're using for a lot of the other things that that will you know be built on on top of the vehicle over time.
0: So how does it work right now with the OEMs the The cars are connected, but they get the data, and then do they partner with different insurance companies or people who want to build apps like and they build a Ford specific app and a GM specific app? and that's just yeah. the way it goes. Or like how does the ecosystem look right now?
1: So cars cars are really interesting because they're at this really um, disrupted place where everyone has decided they're going to become electric, they're going to have some automation features, and there's all of this existing infrastructure in place that Tesla has basically proven is needs to be rewritten so um, for, here's here's the market as it exists. Uh, Toyota is the biggest automaker and they have 15% of the cars on the road. So it's incredibly fragmented compared to mobile phones. Um, there's a lot of choice out there. Um, cars also have identity primitives attached to them. So pretty much every car has a VIN number. Um, yep. And there's also standardized ports on a lot of these vehicles that are you know, available like inside the car where you can start pulling data from them, mostly for diagnostic purposes. But people have also started to build hardware devices that you can use to connect your car to the internet. And there's this whole, you know, um, sort of cottage industry of, of you know, hundred million or so devices out there doing that today. Um, so a lot of the pieces are in place and we're kind of bundling them up together and creating a more open and um, available platform for people to, to start to bring their car online. And, and if you use our app today, one of the things that becomes obvious is that you can connect a Tesla, a Ford, a GM vehicle all in the same app and have basically the same experience based on, you know, our level of support for that car. Um, so Today, if you buy a Ford vehicle, you get the Ford Pass app. It's attached to a subscription. And when you start using that app, you opt in to basically share all of the data from that vehicle with Ford and they can do whatever they want with it. Um, And for the most part, they're using that data to make the car better. But in some cases, they're taking the data and you're kind of turning your car into a Facebook account, right? Like they're showing you more relevant stuff in the newsfeed, but they're also maybe selling it out the back door or using it for other purposes or, um, you know, and they're also spending a tremendous amount of money building these apps and interfaces for users that ultimately like they could be focusing on just building a better car and letting people develop apps on top of the car.
0: Um, and they're not particularly good from what I've seen of car company apps at developing apps. Like the demo app is just better than any car app that I've used.
1: Yeah. And th- thanks for saying that. I mean, we put a lot of effort into it and that was something that we were very intentional about because you know um, our, our CTO Yev, has, has worked at Uh, at GM, um, at at companies that build connected vehicle software for both Ford and Volkswagen. And so we've kind of gone through the ringer of like experiencing a lot of these connected vehicle products. And we know that they're not great. And we understand that the OEMs are dealing with a lot of limitations when they build them. And we think that it's going to be really hard for OEMs to create compelling consumer software interfaces that are better than what an open platform could, could create. And in a lot of cases, they're also the services that are attached to those apps are actually a big part of the experience. And the OEMs are hamstrung in giving you access to the best services because they have their incentives are not aligned with you, right? Like they're yeah. going to show you their financing product, their insurance product. And you know, based on what we've seen, that's not often going to be the best option for you as a consumer. And that that vertically integrated approach, um, there's a break point that that happens you know, where the car stops and the internet begins, and, and that's where we're building, and, and that's what we think we can really help users save a lot of time and money on.
0: I understand why users like this. Do OEMs like this, are they happy? Is, is the trade-off for not controlling that experience and pushing into their own financing product and all of that worth them being able to tap into this huge universe of kind of developer activity, or would they rather have kind of fewer apps and a worse experience for users, but you have to use their financing product? So
1: it really depends. And because the industry is so fragmented, every different possible iteration is being, is being tried out. And so you have on on one side, Tesla, which has adopted the the software defined vehicle further and faster than, than anybody else. And they actually maintain a semi open API that if you want to build an app on top of the Tesla, like they're not supporting you and it's not licensed officially sort of like the Apple app store, but a lot of people are doing it. And, and that's something that we leverage. And then, For Ford and GM, we use a service that is kind of like plaid for cars to tap into a lot of the other OEMs. And they're supporting it because they have to in order to support an app. And in our case, it's not like we're stealing the data. The the owner of the car is showing up and saying, I want to use the car for this purpose. I'm putting my credentials into this demo app, and I want to store and save my own data. And so we look at that as something that we're doing that the OEM should be happy about because we're using their hardware for a greater purpose. It makes the car more valuable to the user. And I get it if a lot of them, you know, I think within an OEM, you might find people that are very for this and very against it. But ultimately, the arc of history is bending towards this is the right way to go. And if somebody wants to build on your hardware product and make software within reason, right, like we're not doing anything dangerous with it, um, then, then that's something that they should support. And I think a lot of OEMs were sold, this um, slide deck from consultants five years ago that said the data coming from the car is really valuable and you have to capture it and try to monetize it. And nobody asked for what purpose and do users yeah. want that? And Big data, baby. Are, Yeah, yeah, exactly, It's the, the, the big data. And, and now people are starting to ask that question. And, and I think one thing that we're starting to prove out is that developers feel a lot more comfortable building on a platform that has openness baked into it from the beginning. And OEMs are not able to provide that to people because they've already tried. And so, if they're trying to get third-party developers to show up and build an insurance product on their platform, people just don't really trust them enough to want to invest millions of dollars to create something like that. Because as soon as they're successful, they're going to get turned off because somebody's going to create a slide deck that says, "Hey, we should just do this," and you know, look at how successful they're being on top of our cars. And so, you know, one one thing that we set out to do from the beginning, which was very smart, and it wasn't my idea, it was uh, you know, our CTO Yevs <laughs> Yevs idea was. Um, if we have to ask an OEM to do anything, we're probably doing the wrong thing. And so that's been our, our you know mantra from the beginning. We're only, you know, maybe uh, 16, 14 months into it, really. And we haven't had meetings with OEMs. They've reached out to us and said, Hey, like, what are you doing? We've had people show up in our Discord yeah. and say, I work at an OEM. I love what you guys are doing. That that happens a lot because I think there's a lot of people in that that space that like, you know, feel that we're headed in the right direction. And so you know it's it's something where we're we're not antagonistic towards them and we appreciate that they exist in an environment that is full of constraints and and is you know under immense competitive pressure building cars is really hard and you know our our goal is just to keep adding as many cars to the network and kind of make it to the point where it's it's so big that they just can't ignore it and it's something that they really you know feel like makes a lot of sense to support directly
0: So you've mentioned a bunch of words that are setting off the spidey senses and I'm going to ask you about in one second, but I have just like one more dumb question about the user experience. So I just got my demo hardware in the mail yesterday, but before that I've been connected to the demo app and I can like see things like how much gas I have left where my car is like a bunch of useful information there. What else do I see when I actually go to the car and plug the hardware in?
1: It depends on the level of support for your vehicle. So you're plugging into the diagnostic port on your car. So that means you're definitely going to get uh, what's called a DTC code, um, which gives you, it's a unique number. It's basically standardized across most OEMs that says if your check engine light goes on, this sensor is failing, or this is the type of issue that you have with, with the vehicle. And so we're collecting that across the entire fleet. This is something that usually a mechanic will charge you somewhere between $125 to $150 to do on your car. So like if you ever have a check engine light come on, you can just check it with with your hardware device and then the device itself is a computer so it creates a wi-fi network for the vehicle it has its own cell connectivity has its own accelerometer so it's got all the stuff in it that insurance dongle that they'll sell you you know for metro mile or, or progressive snapshot has but the difference is that data doesn't go to an insurance company server it goes to a server that you control and you uh, can decide what to do it so if you collect all that data and then an insurance company says based on this aggregated anonymized data you can opt into getting. A new insurance quote, and we'll offer you, Packy a better deal. Then you can authorize them to start reading streams of data. You can see exactly what what they're getting from it, and um, that's the developer platform part of Demo. So you're taking the um, the hardware wallet approach. If you're, you know, you're, you're kind of like controlling your own data in a, a much more um, self-custodied way versus. Using the OEM's existing connected vehicle service, which is what you've been doing up to this point, if you don't have a hardware device. So the data is going from your car to the server, and then we're asking the server for the data and storing it on your behalf. And in the future, you're going to be collecting your data at the source inside the vehicle. And in a lot of cases, that means you're going to know quite a bit more about your car than than the OEM will, and and be able to you know have that power when you're transacting with them or a used car, you know, going to the used car marketplace. And um, that that's a big use case that we're starting to see people really take to and and like quite a bit is
0: um, we can get into that later. Yeah. Now you led me there even more, right? You said hardware, wallet, self-custody, people not having to trust an OEM or having, I would imagine to trust you over time. There's a crypto angle here. We've gotten this far into the conversation uh, and we haven't mentioned crypto at all, but where does that play in? Like one of the things I love about the team is that we have you from the automotive industry on one side we have uh you know rob uh who, who i've known for a while uh yeah. who's like one of the first people who ever told me about uh, ethereum on the other side and so it's this marriage of these two worlds but we haven't even mentioned it so far which i i'd really like so what's going on there
1: yeah sure so i can explain the origin story of that and I'll, yeah i'll kind of round out the the founding team which at this point is actually kind of a small part of the story of, of demo as a whole um but yeah, so, so Rob, who you know already, was uh, working at a company called Consensus, which is one of the biggest companies in the Ethereum space. They own mask the wallet, Infura, the big infrastructure provider, the founder of Consensus was one of the founders of Ethereum. And so he's super deep in that world, has seen the iterations of people creating DAOs and people forming token incentivized networks for lots of different things. Uh, the fourth Founder of Demo is a guy named Alex who worked at Chainalysis, which was one of the biggest blockchain analytics companies. And so, everybody on the team, you know, including myself and, and yeah, are very like crypto curious folks. And um, around the time that we were starting Demo, we thought about we were, we were running a, a product studio and, and um, you know, we're, we're experimenting with lots of different ideas. One of the things that we started to do was mine Helium tokens by setting up decentralized wireless infrastructure. And that was a big light bulb moment for us because we realized someone had created. A crypto token that got us to go do something in the real world and apply localized knowledge to building a wireless network who's setting up an antenna on the roof of my house and like distributing these hotspots to other people and plugging them in and i was always crypto curious i bought my first bitcoin in 2011 followed the space like i i told rob about ethereum so he then told you it. oh wow <laughs> um, yeah this is you know and and so i followed this space for a long time but i was you know working in a very you know practical um mobility company called transdev or operating public transit services and had always thought like there would be some intersection between the physical world and and the crypto world and it really took you know quite a bit longer than than i would have expected and it we found it with helium where they had started to apply those incentives and and a lot of the technologies to real world actions, which is where I felt, okay, this is starting to become more of a real thing. Enough has been built. There's enough wallet infrastructure out there, enough open source code that people can start to, you know, kind of plug these Lego blocks in. And we, we had a client come to us um, at the, the consulting business and they were interested in potentially hiring us. They weren't that serious, but they were like, we need ground truth data from electric vehicle batteries. We think the OEMs are not being truthful about how these batteries are functioning in the real world. And we sat down and we said, well, we could take one of these hardware devices, like the Autopie, that we ended up modifying um, to become a, a demo device. And, and we could just pay people in cash to plug them into their cars. And we did the math out on it. And it didn't really make sense because you needed more than one application and it needed to be more like a developer platform in order for it to make financial sense. And we were sitting there with all these helium hotspots and helium tokens that you know we were like, it, it, it took us a, a couple of weeks to sort of put two and two together. But once we, Formed the basis of you can pay someone in a token to plug this into their car, and that ideally keeps them, you know, interested in the community and incentivized to, um, you know, want to hold onto it and, and potentially spend it or stake it or whatever else you can do. You know, sort of undefined um, economic use case. And then we really started pulling the thread on well, what is a car? And we realized that a car is actually pretty good as an an asset to start with if you're going to bootstrap a new IOT network and and the identity of the vehicle um, in, in demo, we don't advertise this to end users, but it's an NFT. And so you create your car, you can only create one of that car. So it enforces uniqueness per VIN number. And we use a lot of the existing identity primitives for a vehicle that are assigned to it by the OEM and by the government to kind of build up the identity of that car and make sure that you can't create 20 versions of your car on the network. And um, it also is a digital asset that we're increasing the value of that asset as we attach more data to it. And so with something like the used car market or the insurance market, as you're adding more data to the digital asset that is your vehicle, it theoretically should increase in value and become something that you can you know, take to the marketplace. And um, you know, that is a thread that as we pull it, it, we realize that it's like bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and so we started with this very narrow use case we started building, and we realized this isn't, you know, an application that we're building. It's a platform, and there's, you know, these two digital assets. There's the token you get paid in to connect your car to the network, and it, you know, to the user kind of looks like an airline reward point where, as you spend more money in demo connected apps, and as you provide more data to the platform, that makes it more valuable. You get paid in the token, and then you get a digital asset of your vehicle that the data is attached to, and we help you make that more and more valuable as you um, attach documents to it and, and collect more data that that increase the certainty about what it is and and what it's done.
0: I want to get to where you think things are going to kind of be built in, in the demo ecosystem. And this could be just like wild guesses over time or like a a wish list, given that it's this kind of open, open developer ecosystem at this point. But could I also take the NFT to a lending platform at some point? And it's like, yeah, I, it it proves that I own this car or that I'm a safe, you know, whatever the things are that might be useful to some people, or does it only work inside of the, the demo ecosystem? Today, there's one
1: app for Demo, and we're building more. There's some that I've seen in development that are looking really cool, and you have this magical moment. So there, there's a couple of magical moments for people. I think one is, you know I was a little worried about this because the wallet infrastructure still is not that great, and like we've made the experience of connecting your car to Demo actually a little bit harder by adding the Web3 stuff, but there's yeah. a lot of people that are very into that, and they understand, like, okay, I've gone and basically gone through this process of proving that I own this car. And there's a couple of ways you can do that. A lot of thought and effort has gone into like proof of vehicle identity. And then you go through this process of, okay, now the device or the OEM's API is verifying I own that. And all this data is going and getting added to a blockchain somewhere. And then that gives me this digital asset that another party can really trust. That means that I own that car and eventually that I'm driving it around and doing certain things with it in the real world. And so, peer-to-peer car sharing, decentralized ride hailing, insurance products. I mean, I think personally, like the lowest hanging fruit for us is, is um, things like the used car market where like there's just like tremendous inefficiencies and the telematics data from the vehicle and like verified ownership and having documents attached to it. Like all that stuff is like pretty ripe for disruption. If you've ever interacted with a car dealer or a DMV, like you really yeah. get that. Um, and so we've kind of taken the hard road of like, Really thinking through what a car is, how you prove that somebody owns it, and how you prove that it's done something in the real world, and then that unlocks the use case of you can take your wallet and log into a third-party application with that wallet, and your car shows up, and you can authorize that application to use the data from that vehicle. It's not all stored unchained today, but in the future, you can also just take direct custody of that data, and you'll have this digital asset that you can take with you wherever you want. You could show up at the DMV and renew your title. You could. Um, you know, get a better insurance quote, bring it to the car dealer, car dealers could be adding their own vehicles to it. Um, you could participate in a ride hailing network that, um, you know, allows you to onboard your car much more easily. And so that, that's where we're headed. And I'm, we're you know 12 months into really having this out in, in the public, but we're starting to see some of those use cases emerge. And that makes the snowball go really fast as far as more people wanting to add their cars to it. Because initially, we had this assumption that like, millions of people would want to do this just for the token. And like the token is going to be this, you know, whole thing. And then as soon as we got into the developer platform aspect of it, we were like, this is just going to be something like AAA, like how boomers basically feel about AAA, right? Like you're, you're crazy if you don't have a AAA membership and that that's kind of like the vision from a, a product perspective. And the token is really just a way to make sure that the users are owners of the platform. And also, um, you know, basically have like a reward point aspect to it, right? Like if you're, um, you know, Delta Airlines customer, and you have 100,000 points, you get a better level of service. And like people know that you're, you know, they, they come and say hi to you when you get on the airplane and all that sort of thing. So like, um, it, it's it's kind of got this, um, like gamified aspect to it that's that's baked in that we like. And um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different threads to keep pulling as far as what, what gets built with it.
0: Well, yeah, I I had one in particular. So the, the most, you know, the dumbest, most embarrassing moment of my 2022 certainly was when I talked about bringing real world assets in the form of a house and a mortgage onto the blockchain. There are obviously a lot of complications, but what I really like about this is that you can kind of start with a bunch of different apps that might not have to go talk to the DMV, which you mentioned could be like a future use case. How do you like, how do you think about building a crypto product that's connected to the real world and like? what the evolution of adoption is where you start at, we have this one kind of first party app. And then over time, yeah. maybe the DMV will accept our NFT as proof uh, of ownership of the car. So I remember that moment and I thought about jumping in there, but it was a little bit too early for
1: us. <laughs> like, um, and and I think it, you're not wrong, right? You're just early. And it also, I think in the case of houses i don't know i haven't thought a whole lot about they're it. actually so I,
0: i'm getting saved by uh one of our founders there they're building something that's just way smarter than i could have ever thought of uh on that front which i can't reveal but i think somebody's gonna save yeah. my ass on the mortgage side so nice. fingers crossed there
1: we we've talked to some folks and similarly i maybe it's the same team but we've we've had a lot of people reach out to us about automotive financing in particular and how, especially with rates going up, it's like a really big pain point for consumers and fleets yeah. and showing up to that transaction with more data about your vehicle will get you a better rate in a lot of cases. And so we have a partner that's live today on the app called Tenant and they'll refinance your Tesla um, and and do basically a balloon loan based on the residual value of the battery, which we can help them nail down with the telematics data from the car. And so there's all of these kind of like tight loops that are, that are closing and a lot of this stuff. I mean, one of the things that, and I love crypto skeptics. Like, this is like the people I have the most productive conversations with. As long as For they're sure. engaging in good, as long as 100%. they're engaging in good faith, like that is something that I get a tremendous amount of value from. It more more so than the people that are just like totally bought into what we're doing and like willing to look past any flaw with it.
0: I and, agree. I mean, I think we're both a- excited about real world assets. And, and like when I started really getting excited and thinking about like how it would actually work, was that conversation where I was like, yeah, t- t-, you know, what we were talking about before. The conversation even like
1: everybody got so far ahead of themselves and we're looking past all of the issues with it and there is a very legitimate thing that you can bring up which is you don't need a token to do that and they're right like in a lot of cases they're right like we you know built the first version of demo very web 2 and we just told everybody we're going to issue a token in the future like here's some ideas about it we have three different companies building in the ecosystem that are all involved with this this isn't just like you know from from the beginning we took this very intentional approach to create a decentralized ecosystem. We are very intentional. Like the vehicle identity is based on a protocol that is going to be hard to change in the future. You're at least going to have to go through a vote. Like it's not just going to be up to one company. And a lot of people from the corporate world look at that and are like, why would you do that? Like this doesn't, you know, it makes it so much harder to interact with you. But then you realize like, it, it's a much more credible developer platform. And it's a much, when, when you talk to somebody that is interested in building an application or plugging in, they trust it a lot more because they know they're not going to get rubbed by some executive in, Detroit somewhere that says that oh, we're going to turn off access to the API. Like this isn't going to, you know, and, and so, you know, that aspect of it is something that's, that's really hard to appreciate unless you, you've tried to build an app for cars. Um, and then on, on the, the real world asset side of things, I think everybody's kind of just coming back because you know, it's a, it's a sort of low interest rate phenomenon to ignore real world assets. And yeah. now everybody's coming back to it as interest rates are going up. And like, our our perspective on this has always been what else is there, right? Like if you, if you're not, if it's not a real world asset, then it's like some derivative that is built on top of a derivative. That's, you know, it's circling around and and eventually it all ties back to some real world asset and nothing is, is more real to a lot of people, especially in the U S than a car. And it's also a depreciating asset in a lot of cases. And like, there's a tremendous amount of value that can be created with better information about it. And so that's where we're building from. And, you know, we think, Regardless of whether or not it's a web three product or a crypto product, there's all these other buzzwords that are starting to emerge around it. Like we just have this kind of core use case that we're focused on and we know we've picked the right direction and we have a pretty good set of tools available to us. And that's why we're doing it this way.
0: I, I do want to defend the bubble for a little bit or like the crazy, you know, just you know insular pieces of it, which is, you know, without those stupid crypto kitties you know like these stupid little pictures there's not the kind of primitive that you have now to say like there's all this information so like does it need to get as speculative and crazy and like of course not like that you know people lost a lot of money and spent a lot of time trading pictures some is really great art and some is just completely dumb but i do think like there is usefulness to a lot of those weird periods because then they you know one of the things that I've been excited about writing about is like these primitive shakeout that now you can transform this multi-trillion dollar industry in a slightly better way, because now you have this set of tools that you might not have had before.
1: Look, millions of people have wallets now. And that's one of the biggest onboarding hurdles to get through. And the fact that people even, I mean, it's funny, but you know, kind of looking back at the origin story of Ethereum, like the NFT was not even imagined as a part of that. And it's ultimately like one of the, cleanest ways to create an identity for something that is like like a car or, you know, an aftermarket hardware device or a charging station or um, like there's you know, maybe one, 2% of people in the mania period that are like staying head down, focused on, on real world stuff. And, and a lot of those folks are on our team. And then we do indulge ourselves and kind of like dip into the insanity and, and mania and, and try to like, you know, pull out some of the good ideas. And it, at, at the end of the day, like, I, I don't doubt that there's going to be another Cycle where people get overly excited about stuff, but I think it will level up from what happened last time to the next time, and there will be more real world in between. You know, the the previous uh, stare and, and the next one.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's that's right. Um, so let's let's do some dreaming here. You have a magic wand, and you're all of a sudden like this 100x engineer, and you can go out and build all these different applications on top of, of demo. What are you like? What are the craziest ideas that you can come up with for things that you'd want to build?
1: A bunch of people want to build a car, and have you know. So we've we've started to see some. Uh, that, that's one, and I don't know. Maybe that that's like kind of a deep rabbit hole to go down. But but there's um, a version of demo in in the kind of ten year in the future vision, depending on how close you think we are to autonomous vehicles driving around everywhere. That the aftermarket hardware device kind of looks like a black box on an airplane and. It's providing you with your own copy of what the vehicle is thinking and then brokering that out to an insurance company and maybe providing like a small subset of the data to the regulator of the road that you're on and a fleet operator and the we think in order for that to work the user has to be in control and the user could be a fleet operator of that vehicle or you and i if it's our personal car or scooter or whatever form factor is out there and so, you know, I think that that's something that on the hardware side, you know, we've realized that we need to really invest in because it doesn't exist today. We've talked to a bunch of people that are running autonomous trucking, autonomous, you know, robotaxi startups, and they've said, you know, that product needs to exist, but we're not even at the point where the technology, the core technology works. And, you know, certainly none of the companies are comfortable enough with how it's performing in the real world to start sharing that type of granular data and selling it to a fleet who's going to capture that data and be able to have their own copy. And... So that that's one of those things that i think people in the autonomous vehicle space are just kind of like mum about because a bunch of them spacked or are trying to go public and it's like just sweeping under the rug like you know we'll, we'll figure that out later so we've we've had some really interesting conversations we were at ces last week and like you know it's basically an automotive show now and yeah. and a lot of people are starting to come around to that vision but it's one of those things that's still in the conference rooms not on the showroom floor and so there's definitely something there and a lot of it is coming down to how the vehicles themselves are made and what a car looks like in, in the future or other you know, form factors. So it's going to be electric. The components are going to be much more modular and swappable in some cases, and in other cases, much more um, tightly integrated. Like I think, you remember that phone um, that had like the camera and the battery that you could yeah. take out and, and swap in new pieces? I think that was one of those ideas that was the right idea but the wrong form factor and cars are going to look a lot more like that in the future where you're going to be able to upgrade the compute and swap out the battery and upgrade the ADAS system so the car can drive in different places and like it makes a lot of sense to do that because the core platform is going to last much longer and have much less maintenance and the technology and the infotainment systems inside the vehicle are what people care about as far as the experience goes and so you know, somebody's going to figure out how to build. And, and, you know, I think Foxconn is kind of out there like saying that they're going to do this today where it's sort of like TSMC for cars and they're going to start to assemble this ecosystem of open hardware that you can put into a vehicle. There's a lot of interesting companies that are already building like next generation aftermarket hardware for vehicles. And so I'm not giving a great answer to your question, but there's something out there around like a next generation car. And we're very much focused on like creating the wedge into that world. And it's giving people control of cars as they exist today. And then sort of cementing this idea as like, this is something that needs to exist in any car in the future in order for people to accept it, especially when it's doing more out there and, and the more is going to be driving itself.
0: I want to get to a self driving, you know, at scale prediction and, and all of that. I can't let you off the hook without doing that, but I just want to like, that's such an interesting point that I would have never even thought of before. And the first time that I was thinking about more modular cars was the other day when I saw the picture of the BMW that had the bunch of different colors color changing that you can yeah, change yeah. at any time. And it's such a like kind of simple thing, I'm sure, relative to all the other complex stuff that you're talking about. But in terms of unlocking like what I thought of as a car, it was just like really weird shift. I was like, Oh yeah, why are cars one color or like sometimes like really ugly two-tone cars? Yeah. I had never really kind of thought that, that they, they can get modular like that, but it makes it makes a lot of sense. It's not
1: a new thing. We've kind of been in this lull of people not really modding their cars as much. I mean, you remember there used to be like the tape deck that you could put in. You could upgrade it and have like a CD totally. player and people were, you know, putting... and pin my riders, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, OEMs got into this, and I'm not such a car person, so I'm a little bit out over my skis, but certainly from, from where I sit, like the, the car has turned into much more of a black box. And we see that because... Oftentimes they'll try to um, prevent people from plugging devices into the port on the car, or they'll make it harder to do, or they'll you know start sending less data over to it. And there's a whole debate around right to repair on on vehicles that obviously we're very much on the consumer side of, and we we think that you know in, in the future, especially with the way that like the Supply chains are working out and, you know, the, the vehicle itself, the technology, you know, cars used to have like 35,000 different parts. And now that number is going down a lot. And the complexity of building one is, um, you know, still, you're still bending metal and you're still, you know, organizing large groups of people to get into a factory and produce something at very high quality. And and um, that complexity hasn't changed. And you look at what Tesla went through to even get up to like over a million vehicles in scale. And that's just a monumental achievement. But there's definitely some cracks starting... To open up, and and I think one of the the things that won't happen immediately but will um, become sort of a necessity or at least one viable business path is is making a car that's much more like a skateboard, and you can customize everything on top of it, and and people are going to take that because. You know one thing about cars is that it's just a a reflection of humanity in terms of how people are so different like every brand has like subgroups of people that are super passionate about you like subaru people that are suburban moms and then you have the like subaru like ken block you know rip um, modders who you know are creating youtube videos of them doing burnouts everywhere and it's like the same car the same brand but two people have just taken it like totally different directions and you know you have we, we see that with demo where we're very much trying to create this, this brand for the project that is very open and inclusive because that's what the car world is. And people are going to come and build stuff on top of it and express themselves in lots of different ways. And like, I'm just excited to see that start to happen more and more.
0: Yeah, I think that it was Amjad from Replit was on and that's like the best the other day. And he was talking about the black pill on Steve Jobs is essentially that he made us like just way worse at tinkering with things because you just get this device yeah. and it works well enough and you can't touch it. And it's interesting to think about that in the context of cars and the context of all sorts of other devices where now you just kind of get it. It works really, really, really well and you don't want to tinker with it. But I I like that ability to express your personality there. Yeah.
1: And a lot of people, we have that reaction when people hook hook their car up to demo in the first place. And it, it happens with a lot of hardware users, I think, because they get a lot more granular data. And so one of the standardized data points that people will often get right out of the box and like we have this whole project going, it's basically like, reverse engineering the signals that are coming from that port and it's a very long tail problem and people have all the information spread out across the rest of the world but it's not easily accessible or organized right now and so one of the standardized points that we get from a pretty high number of cars is the throttle position on the vehicle and so you can see like somebody driving <laughs> like when they, you show the data back to them and it's like you know here's what I'm like really stomping on the gas and like you know cr- create scores out of that and and they're getting all this data back and they're like wow I never even realized that that was like being you know harvested by the car in the first place or even accessible and so you see people start to like think about their driving behavior differently and the car as an asset as something that can be modded and improved or at least the data from it can be useful for other things and so you know, that, that's something that we've really just cracked the door open on and, and people are starting to rush through and be in this whole new room that they didn't know about.
0: Are you worried that people are going to start like Grand Theft Auto games on Demon that like take advantage of your throttle position and like whoever <laughs> can hold their throttle down the longest wins and like what what can I, go wrong It's an open system?
1: There, There's certainly th- all kinds of things that are going to go wrong. I mean, there was an article put out last week. I'll, I'll send it to you. You can put it in the show notes because it's important for people to realize like pretty much every connected vehicle platform out there has been hacked already. (laughs) And it's not like there hasn't been anything like really terrible that's, that's happened because of that. But like, there are certainly implications to connecting all of these cars to the internet, especially once they start driving themselves around and we're not um, on the team, you know, we're, we're very much um, trying to address those concerns head on and we take it very seriously. And, And that's one of the things that actually prevented us from really Wanting to like fully embrace the crypto community as it exists because it has this sort of like um, anarchic quality to it a little bit that like is doesn't lend itself very well to working with OEMs or you know like getting the trust of an insurance company and that's something that ultimately I think we need to do in order to be sure. successful. So you know one of the things that I think is really infused in the culture is that everybody has this pretty strong moral compass and if we see something like that happening, like I, I mean. I'm not going to tell somebody you can't do it, but I'm also not going to make it easier for them to do. Right. Yeah. Like it's like, you know, not something that we're going to um, you know, I- embrace and, and be excited about if we see somebody doing something irresponsible. And, and there's a pretty simple litmus test for that, that I'm sure we'll develop more sensible and like, you know, structured reasoning around over time. But um, yeah, I mean, look, our, our take is that if you buy an asset, you own it and that includes the data coming from it and if you want to mod it to do something illegal then that is something that you personally have done and like I, I don't want to help anybody do that but um certainly there's a lot of examples of people doing that with cars already and um yeah. it's not something that we're going to impact i think either way
0: and there's hopefully enough multi-app users that anybody wants to play that game will get hit on the insurance side if they drive too recklessly and so maybe it's not not worth it
1: yeah there, there's a community of people building on a project called open pilot and it's uh it it's aftermarket self-driving systems for your car and there's a whole bunch of rules and it's i, I run it in my toyota rav4 and i i love the product that's been built on top of it and i think it's a great self-driving i mean not, it's not fully self-driving it's an ADAS system i think is the you know correct terminology for it and um i'm super happy that people are making that technology and i'm you know somebody it's a relatively niche thing at this point that you can be an educated user and, and make um, decisions around whether it's safe enough for you for you to try and um, i think it's something that the demo world is going to end up intersecting with at some point in the future but you know for now we have this really big sort of blue ocean of applications that we think are like very clear cut that can help people quite a bit and don't introduce all of these like really um, complex ethical situations. And it's like, just tell me what my car is worth based on the data from it and help me get a better deal when I go to sell it. And like, that is like, everybody's on board with that. You know?
0: Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I have to ask, you've you mentioned full self-driving or it a bunch of different times. Like, what does that look like over the next few years? The joke is that it's always, you know, a few years away, but it sounds like you have it on your RAV4 in some sense. People in their Teslas have full self-driving. Like, When are most of us going to have AVs or full self-driving? It's not
1: when, but where and with what. And so I spent, prior to starting Demo, was working at a company called TransDev, their large public transit systems operator, primarily the last uh, four years or so that I was there. I helped them build a business in North America that was working with different autonomous vehicle companies to basically help them mature their technology from science projects to pieces of transportation infrastructure. And the key issue that kept coming up was what kind of infrastructure is gonna be built to support these? And how do you get people to trust them? And people are not just the end consumers, but people are fleet operators like Transdev. And most mobility companies are essentially in in this business of like insurance arbitrage or like risk arbitrage where they can say like you know transdev was was very much predicated upon like we can operate mobility systems very safely so we can offer a lower cost service than the government can and so we should run the train system or the bus system here and with autonomous vehicles like it never even really got to that point while i was there and you know we had a lot of success and built you know pretty large business working with some of the market leaders in the space and the the technology needed to mature to the point where you could even like write an insurance policy for it and take the technology and pass it off to somebody else and have them operate it. And it's just starting to get there today. And there's kind of two separate tracks. One is the Robo Taxi Vision where you get in the car and it's like Uber except there's no driver and like, you know, maybe it's sort of teleoperated and it takes you where you need to go. And I've tried a bunch of those and, and I think that there is a path in certain places. You know, city like Phoenix is a great example. Waymo is doing service to the airport now. They have fully um, you know, driverless cars running around. And, and I, I believe in, in that being, you know, 1% of total trips in the U S within some reasonable amount of time. And then, what all the automakers have really bought into at this point is this sort of like incremental approach where they're not going to call it full self-driving because Tesla's doing that and people are getting really upset about that. But like, you know, basically trying to get to what we're saying is level three, which is like on a certain highway, you can take your hands off, you can take your eyes off and the vehicle might have an issue and pull over and alert you. And that's the kind of part where it starts to get a little weird and fuzzy. And it's going to be up to people to build better digital infrastructure to support those cars in certain locations and better maps and you know a big a big thing that that we're believers in is that having this like standardized coordinating layer across the vehicles that has you know incorporates all of the inputs from the different parties that need to be present is a, is a massive problem that people are not like fully invested in and, and one of the things that um, I think we're gonna end up creating if we're successful in in 10 years is you know that infrastructure layer and and that'll be the open part of demo there'll be lots of interesting apps and services built on top of it and OEMs that buy into that and want to plug in and and start to make their um, vehicles compatible with that type of infrastructure in a a deeper way, will become more trusted and will be able to add more functionality faster to their vehicles. And you see some efforts to create like smart roads. And I think it's going to be more like smart parking garages at first, where like you get to the airport and you get out of your car and it goes and parks five miles away somewhere and comes back totally empty, like nobody inside, low speed. All that stuff is is pretty achievable. Um, And. Yeah, I had this like kind of insane vision when I saw the Tesla semi of it just basically driving down the five with a bunch of Tesla's like platooning behind it with people asleep (laughs) inside of them. And it kind of just like stops at all of the different superchargers on the road along the way and you can like get out and it's sort of like a train. And I think that sort of thing like will start to become possible in certain corridors and then it will open up the possibility for, you know, people who have those types of vehicles that support that type of infrastructure to to happen and it's going to be very uneven like i think in china they're very likely to make investments and try things out like that because they can do it very top down but the right approach and and something that you know is much more aligned with the world that i want to live in is something where the person who owns the vehicle retains a lot of control over what they're doing and also like the you know public space is respected and you know at, at the beginning um one of the kind of like interesting historical artifacts that we uh, think about a lot as it relates to demo is AAA, which a lot of people in the U S think of like, Oh, you get like a 10% discount on your insurance or like you can like buy a cruise here. But AAA started actually simultaneously around the U S was kind of like a spontaneous thing where, people bought cars before there were roads and then they all got together and were like, we need better roads so we can drive our cars out into the suburbs or to the park or wherever. And they formed these automobile clubs that evolved over hundreds of years or hundred years into being AAA as it exists today. And so one of the you know potential sort of 10 year outcomes of, of demo, the foundation, not necessarily all the things that are you know, built on top of their demo, the open source project is sort of like a, modern version, a more data-driven version, a digital version of, of a car club where lots of people get together and they advocate for better digital roads for their vehicles. And that today looks kind of like, give me one app for all of my cars and give me a better insurance policy based on the data for my driving or give me a better price for the car, you know, Uniswap for cars or something like that. <laughs> and in the future, it's give me a smart highway or smart parking garage in this area that I can park any kind of vehicle in. And like, how do you build, build the digital infrastructure for that from, um, where we are today is the challenge in between here and there.
0: Yeah, I mean, my traditional closing question is what the world looks like in 10 years, but I, I love yeah, the vision yeah, that you've, you just, yeah. you've just <laughs> painted <laughs> of what the world looks like in 10 years. Where can people, I'm gonna, right after this conversation, go outside and plug the device into my car. Nice. Where can people learn more if they just wanna be a, a user and get strike any data from their car? Like how should developers think about this? What's the best, best way to get involved?
1: Yeah, so the Demo app is the easiest way to interact with Demo. We've spent a lot of time and effort to make it quite easy to use. You can find it on the Apple, Android stores US, Canada, and Europe, pretty much all of Europe. And um, we're gonna expand to other countries as we have services online in those places over the next couple of years. And um our website is demo.zone Z-O-N-E. We're working on the domain. Um and then there's a bunch I of other like companies. It. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The Demo zone. Yeah. People made a meme. There's a meme with the uh, autozone. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh and then there's a bunch of other companies building in this space, like really awesome partners that we have that are, you know, accessing the data from Demo if you opt in to use their services. I mentioned one, tenant, um, Autopi is a company out of Denmark that builds the hardware device that you have um, going into your car. There's going to be other hardware options available in, in the future, other app developers um, building stuff on the platform. And, and so, yeah, the easiest way to, to get started is just to add a car if you have one. And then um, we have a pretty active Discord community as well, which you can get to at chat.demo.zone.
0: Hell yeah! Well, I am very, very excited to start doing more with my with my car, bring down that ridiculous uh, insurance premium, and and uh, excited just to be involved in this because I I do think that the next, not just bull cycle, but like where crypto actually adds value is when it's the way that you're building it, where it's this thing that you add on to improve a thing that's already pretty useful for some other reason uh, and just yeah. kind of like, you know, guaranteed trust for developers in, in this case. So I'm excited to get my, my self-driving car, excited to see what you do. And thanks so much for, for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Paggy.